Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters podcast. This is the podcast series that explores the art of leading and growing multi-site businesses, especially in the hospitality and retail sectors. So my name is Lee Sheldon and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm also co-founder of the MMU Training and Development Consultancy, in which we're dedicated to helping managers achieve consistent operational excellence, leading to sustained superior performance. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Multi-Site Masters. I am delighted today to be joined by Mark Peters, Head of Talent Management for The Green King. Welcome Mark. Hi Lee, how are you? Good to be I'm here today. Very well, very well sir. Great to see you. Now Mark, not everyone will necessarily know about Green King, who's listening to our podcast today. So maybe could you give us a little bit of a potted history of yourself, but also maybe tell us a little bit more about Green King? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So Head of uh, Talent Management with Green King, been in that role for about three or four years. Previously with Spirit Pub Company as Head of L&D. As you know, uh, Green King acquired Spirit about three years ago now, so a merger of, of two big businesses, two yep. big pub companies. Been in L&D for about 12 years. Prior to that, was in operations. Used to have a pub myself uh, back in 1990-ish with Scottish and Newcastle. So I've been in hospitality for a good few years. Green King, absolutely one of the biggest pub companies now in the UK. 1800-ish, give or take, managed yep. businesses. Some of those brands that hopefully you'll know and love. Chef and Brewer, Hungry Horse, to name a couple. Brewing some amazing beers. Uh, Green King IPA, Speckled Hen. Uh, Rocking Rudolph, uh, great at this time of the year. Um, and obviously we've got our pub partner businesses, leased pubs, um, and our support centres in Burton-on-Trent, uh, and also our home territory in Bury St Edmunds. Yeah, I've certainly tasted a few of the IPAs over yes, months yeah, and yeah. years, so great. Now, you've mentioned there the coming together uh, of this new organisation. I would imagine the cultural challenges were significant doing that. Yeah. Um, what role did you and your L&D colleagues play in supporting this cultural change? Yeah, two, two, two big organisations. Uh, Spirit Pub Company was born out of the demerger with Punch Taverns as a managed pub business. So a relatively young business and obviously yeah. Green King has got a huge amount of history and heritage, first formed in 1799. So, so two different, very, very different cultures coming together. I guess in terms of the way that L&D supported the coming together of the business, uh, of those two businesses, was very much around our, our values, which cover the areas of, of team, um, of customer, of respect and, and results. Now, they, not, they not may seem that original, but actually the, all, the approach that we took mm. to actually forming those values and those winning ways, I think, was, was quite unique. We actually involved the teams in creating those, those values. We went around the country. Uh, we had sessions with our general managers, with our BDMs, with our support centre colleagues, with our team members in, in our pubs to really understand what the business looked like at our very best. When we were at our best, what, what sort of things would you see? What, do you, what yeah. would you expect to see? And more importantly, it was the stories that our teams told us that helped us to formulate those values. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's how they were kind of created. Really. And did you find that the teams from the two businesses were actually telling pretty similar stories? Very much you so. talk about yeah, that kind of emotional behaviour? Yeah, absolutely. You know, very, very much so. If I'm a team member in a pub, it doesn't matter if it's Hungry Horse or yeah. a chef from Brewer, actually, it's about me in that pub with my colleagues. And probably the most important person in terms of line manager is my general manager. So the, the culture within the pub is, is one that we should consider as well, yeah. as opposed to the, the wider business. Okay, so 
you've expressed the, the importance of the values to Green King. Um, some organisations make the mistake that they stick it on the wall, they stick it on a mouse mat, and they think job done, when of course it isn't. Mm. So how have you got that buy-in from the operators? Because to be frank, sometimes those of us in HR and D, we can get excited and see the true value in having values, yeah, etc. Yeah. But sometimes the operator doesn't see that. How have you got that buy-in and sustained? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's all too easy sometimes for those kind of initiatives to become flavour of the month. So I think it's very, very... Um, important that you've got a clear strategy for how you're going to roll out the, the winning ways, in our yeah. case, our, the winning ways, our values. Making sure that everything that we do, every message that comes out is really underpinned by those winning ways. So really kind of embed um, within the organisation. And do you feel that everybody is on, is on board, that the winning ways is the way in which we're going to deliver the numbers, whatever the number might be, because the number will change every year, but the, that sits as the basis, that sits yeah. as their foundational yeah, piece. absolutely, absolutely. That is That becomes the foundation of how we do business going yeah. forward, absolutely. Fabulous. So one of the key initiatives that I've been excited about and what you guys are doing is developing the next generation of multi-unit managers. Now, in your world, you call them business development managers, yep, BDMs right. yep. for sure. Uh, okay, every organization may have a different title, but that multi-unit role is, is, is critical. But to be frank, not many organizations recognize the importance of developing that next generation to be ready, because often the induction is, here's yep. the list of your pubs, here's your car key, here's yep. your laptop, good luck, that's it. You've taken a very different approach. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about what, what you've done, but maybe can you enlighten us on why you needed to do it? What was, if you like, the business case for why we needed a BDM? Yeah, program? I guess a couple of reasons, um, really, was that we have had designate programs in the past, mm -hmm. um, but they haven't been um, formal, century-driven initiatives. Right. So um, it's often a case of, well, it, it depends, really. It depends very much on the brand where that designate BDM is. It might be a very light touch. It might be a bit more robust. Quite often, it's a sink or swim approach. So that was one of the reasons. We've also um, had a number of externally recruited BDMs. Actually, probably more like 75% of, of BDMs recruited last year were external. Only 25% came from within. So how, do we, how could we develop a program that could almost turn those figures around? So we had an internal pipeline of... BDMs coming from perhaps some of our GM population. It doesn't have to be GMs, it could have been our wider support teams as well. But recognising that the transition from GM to BDM is notoriously one of the most difficult transitions to make in, in our businesses, but I think in, in general. Absolutely. Single site to multi-site leadership, very, very big jump. So how can we develop a programme or have a programme in place that would support those single site operators, help them transition successfully? And was it a tough sell internally that you needed to put a century-driven creative program together, or was it actually quite an open door that you were knocking on? I think it was an open door, but I think there was some nervousness at the start, and I think what the business needed was to see very clearly an end-to-end Program. So it wasn't just about development, it was about how we recruit the right people onto that program. Um, what does the, the T's and C's look like, for example? What does a bonus structure look like for a designate BDM? So it was the whole end-to-end -end piece right. from recruitment all the way through to graduation and hopefully then moving into a permanent patch as a, as a bona fide recognised BDM. So one of the great things that you've been able to do is you've created this role as a designate. As you said, you've talked about uh, what's, the, what's the role look like from a contract perspective, bonus structure. Yeah. Um, they don't run, continue to run the pub that they were looking after. They no. perfectly come out of that yes, and yeah. they're on this programme. How long is the programme? So the programme in, in its entirety is, is six months. Fantastic. Um, and it's broken down into a number of key milestones. Right. So the initial four weeks is very much um, off the job 
a fair bit of classroom activity, understanding the functions that will support them, understanding the key differences between single and multi-site leadership. In fact, that was one of the core workshops that was delivered up front. What are the differences? What are the challenges they're going to face as they start to kind of work across an area of, of, of pubs? So four weeks up front initially, um, and then moving into shadowing with an existing recognised BDM for a period of time before taking what we've classed as a, a strawberry patch. I'm not sure where the term has come from, but <laughs> ultimately it's about a, a, probably a patch within a patch is the yeah. best way of describing it. A nursery patch. A nursery patch, yeah. yeah. Seven or eight pubs that they can cut their teeth on over a period of about three or four months as part of that programme, but actually taking P&L responsibility for that smaller area of, of pubs. Supported very closely with their buddy BDM. And we've also ensured that we've got um, a, a mentor to support them as well. Um, and, and, and have gone about that, I think, quite robustly. Mm. Not just suggesting that someone has a mentor, but identifying which mentor would best suit a particular person. So how do you, how do you kind of um, match them? But then developing that mentor as well in terms of their skills, their abilities, their capabilities to really support that designate BDM. Wow, so we've got a really robust program end-to-end. We've got external development. We've got the opportunity to shadow for four to six weeks a buddy, uh, I suppose someone who's doing a great job that you you want them to learn from. They've also got the mentor in addition to that. So when they go live in this little nursery strawberry patch, as you described, as you say, it's not hypothetical anymore. They're actually cutting their teeth in the real world. Yes, absolutely. Responsibility. Absolutely. And what happens at the end of that? Is it, you said about six month program? Yeah, six months. It's probably worth mentioning as well, the other bit that we incorporated into it, because we wanted to really endorse the program Mm. and and, um, recognize the the development they were going through. So we worked closely with Leeds Beckett University. um, And as part of the program, they all took part in a level five ILM award. We didn't want a, a qualification that would extend beyond the programme because we recognised that as soon as they were going to take a live area, the last thing they'd need is academic uh, rigour around what they were doing. So the programme, or the, the ILM Level 5, was designed to run over the course of the six months. The work was designed to be handed in, the coursework and dissertations were designed to be handed in before they graduated mm. from the programme so that they, could, uh, they had that endorsement, they had that qualification and then they were free to kind of move into that live patch, having gained the qualification. Which is fantastic. So you've now got this external qualification as an individual on the programme I'm being invested in, but I've also got the opportunity to have that badge of honour, the rigour that goes with that. Now, you're, what, three, four months into this programme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's it going? It's going really, really well. So we had 14 designate BDMs uh, embark on the programme. They're still on the programme, and the signs are really, really good. We're getting great feedback on, on how, they're, how they're developing. Um, and actually, we're already looking at horizon vacancies for some of those designates already, which is, which is a sign that, of how successful I think the programme yeah. has actually been. It sounds like people are really going to be able to hit the ground running when those, those vacancies come up, yeah, yeah. You know, being confident and competent in the role of being a yes. multi-unit manager yeah, as absolutely. opposed to the sink or swim approach. Is this something you think, as an organisation, you need to run Annually, is it going to be sort of every eighteen months, two years? Or yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, we're a large organisation, so we have got a large pool of yeah. 
of BDMs. Um, I think the learnings from that first cohort that went through maybe is to reduce the number. I mentioned earlier we had 14 designates BDM embark on it and maybe run a couple of cohorts a year. So it may in the future look, and if anyone's asking me now what I recommend, I would suggest it's probably six or seven designates coming through following a a pretty robust assessment centre, but doing that twice a year. Okay. You've mentioned the assessment centre there briefly, what kind of activities, what kind of criteria was put in place before you could go on the assessment centre, but also yeah. what did you go through through the assessment process? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the assessment centre and actually the development programmes that we built once they'd embarked on the programme was all driven by a really robust specification, job specification, person right. specification Good. for the role of a BDM. Uh, we started and said, right, what does great look like? for a business development manager. And once we kind of really established that, and we used our winning ways to kind of um, inform us around that, uh, we used uh, interviews with current BDMs, current ops directors to really understand what it does great look like. It doesn't matter what brand you're in, 90% of what a BDM does is very, very similar, regardless of whether we're working in a farmhouse inn or a hungry horse. So once we got that, it became quite straightforward to really understand what the assessment centre would need to look like, what exercises uh, would we use as part of that assessment, uh, and then it also informed our approach to development as well, and the, and the elements that we want to actually weave into the programme from a development point of view. And I would imagine the fact that you had to get assessed to go onto the programme, it just makes it more serious yeah. for the individual going for it. This yeah, isn't yeah. just, a, oh yeah, you go on the programme, you've got to work to get on it because you're going to have to work when you're on it. Yeah, and even before the assessment centre, we made sure that we had, the, we had you know, the people coming on the assessment centre had a fighting chance of making it onto the programme. Yeah. So it was all about strong endorsement from their ops directors um, and, their, and their existing BDMs before they could even apply for the assessment centre. Yeah. If I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I, I love what you're doing in Green King, we need to develop a you know, next generation. Maybe we're talking a smaller number, we may only have three or four opportunities a year. Other than running a smaller group, is there any sort of top tips that you would give people? So if you're thinking about putting this kind of programme together, do A, B or C? I think, I think the, 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 the biggest top tip was, is, is around developing that, that, that specification up front. Know what great looks like for an area manager, a business development manager in your business. And then use that to inform the approach to assessments, making sure you get the right people onto the program um, and use that to inform your approach to development. Um, and and I, guess, I guess most people listening to this will recognize that it is a huge leap from single site to multi-site. But I guess another learning for us is um, even before people apply for the role of designate BDM, have some sort of awareness session around what are the key differences and that's something we're aiming to put in place for our new financial year almost a stepping stone for a GM that's looking for that next move well let's actually spend a bit of time with them first of all let's help them really understand the differences between single site and multi-site before uh, they, they, they commit to making that that next step of trying to get onto an assessment centre, if that makes sense. It does, and the people that you've got on, the 14 people that you've mentioned, they're going to become your brand ambassadors in some respects for what you're doing. And of course, often those individuals who go through that kind of succession development programme, they look to develop people themselves to move forward because they see the value of it. They've gone through it themselves and therefore they want other people to experience it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the strawberry patch has been absolutely key as well. Otherwise, you end up with very classroom-heavy academic sessions, you know, it's the strawberry patch that really allows them to yes. cut their teeth and really understand what the role's about. 
having that kind of almost uh, that sheltered approach from their existing line manager, from their yeah. mentor as well. So it sounds to me that be clear on, how, on your numbers so don't have too big a group. Be clear on the role, what a great looks yes. like. Be, and that end-to-end piece of the package you need to put together from bonus schemes. The ability to understand the differences in a role and have that, in this case, an external accreditation has been helpful. But also understanding the ability to actually practice it, put it yes. into action, yeah. so you can you know, make mistakes and learn from those yes, mistakes. Yes, absolutely. Which, which sounds key. Mark, it's been absolutely fantastic talking with you today. I have one last question, which I ask all of my podcast interviewees, which is, it's about you. And if you could go back in time, so I, one day I believe time travel will be possible, and you could go back and you're gonna give some advice to the young Mark Peters, what would it be? For me, probably uh, don't take things too seriously and, and recognize that um, failure is, 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 is a good thing sometimes. It's about learning from failure. I think sometimes we just need to understand that failing fast is, is, is a positive thing. Fail, yeah. learn from those mistakes and actually use them to help uh, create a better future. Brilliant. And advice that you've basically given to your BDM designates because you want them to learn, make Absolutely. mistakes and move on. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Mark. Thanks, Lee. In our show notes, for those of you who'd like to follow Mark, you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure if you want to drop him a note, he'll be more than happy to catch up with any of the points that he's spoken about today. But thank you again, Mark. Thanks, Lee. So a great conversation with Mark, and for me, it includes some really good insights for anyone who is running or is trying to set up a development program for that next generation of multi-unit managers. Now, even if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have the structure that Green King has, it wouldn't be feasible for our company to set up such a program, I still think there were five key things that stood out for me that could be relevant to you. One, assess people before they come on to such a program, and they really need to be hungry to take part in such a, a development program, partly because of the additional workload uh, that will be required to successfully navigate it. Two, be clear about what happens at the end. This is obviously about managing expectations. Rarely it's going to be that there is an automatic job offer, but people at the end of a successful time on the program, they should be ideally placed to apply for positions when those opportunities do come up. The third point, look for support internally, subject matter expertise, might be finance, could be marketing, HR, that will assist you and uh, to support maybe in workshops or uh, masterclasses or using technology such as webinars to get some of that internal knowledge across to new candidates. And of course, where necessary, bring in external help as required, but really don't uh, miss the internal expertise that I'm sure you have. Four, almost goes back to the first point don't have too many people on the program once you've done the assessment both in terms though in terms of being able to support them um, there's no point having 12 participants on the program if there's only going to be two vacancies a year but also do we have enough buddies or mentors to support that amount of people on the program and i think five giving them the opportunity to put ideas into practice Green King talked about strawberry patch, nursery patch, somewhere where they are able to have PL responsibility for a small number of stores, restaurants, pubs, but then that there is a review period built in and that they are consciously critiquing what they did, what went well, what didn't go so well, and of course, what they do differently next time.
Of course, if you are looking to start a program or to improve a current program, I'm sure Mark would be happy to talk to you and give you a benefit of his experience and you'll find his details in the show notes. And if I may uh, be so bold, also contact us at MMU. It's, it's kind of what we do in terms of developing the current and next generation of multi-unit managers. That just leaves me to thank our producer for this episode and all episodes, Sam Walsh, for editing the podcast. And to ask you, our valued listeners, please do tell your friends and colleagues about the Multi-Site Masters podcast series as we want to share the love as much as we can. Enjoy your day and until next time. <laughs>